season long it's like hard knocks you know you just wait all year for it and it seems like this is the way we're going to be going you understand <laughs> like you're on mute retard that's crazy man that is crazy and people are fired up you know yeah i mean we'll give him a couple minutes here um hey do you think i guess you'll introduce like you normally do because you're the you're really the host eric i'm the co-host you know? mm-hmm. and uh and I guess you'll even, you know, say, you know, we're still, we're still, you know, brought to you by the drip kick clothing line. Let's, you know, yeah. I want everybody to make that clear. Yeah, I got the new hoodie on right here. Right. So, you know, feel free to shout, you know, shout yourself out. And you're still recording now, which I don't know why, but good. Well, These are bloopers. Be- These are bloopers, you know? The whole thing. Like, I mean, a, like a pop fly in uh, infield. I mean, you're drinking a glass of white wine. Just- yeah, no, it's a $60 bottle. That's what I'm about. Oh, you know what we should do? We should put AirPods in. I got my boss emailing me. You got your pods in there? Hold on. What do they got? See if these work. Hey, here we go. Hold on. I get my settings. Oh, Dylan Ross entered the waiting room. <laughs> um, Bluetooth, hold up. Can you hear me? Like if you want to switch to a different microphone. Can you hear me or no? Oh, you can hear me. Oh, hello. One more time. How about now? Oh, can't hear you. I hear you a little bit better now. 
Can you hear me or no? The link to. I mean, listen. All right. Well, right in the chat that we'll do a little introduction first. You know. Hold on. Yeah. And then we'll open it up to some questions throughout when um, some of the people wanted to join the link. All right, pal. Kick us off, baby. I mean, I don't really have much of an introduction from a row one sports standpoint. I just know that um, well, I was in I was in Tampa for the Super Bowl. And after that, I kind of realized how far away we were from competing in something like that. So I guess when I got back, we started to speak a little bit about the season and some things that we could do to get better, some things that we agreed on, some things that we disagreed on, mostly disagreed on. You got that right. So I guess it just might have been a good idea tonight had the open schedule to sit down and talk a little football, invite um, anybody else that wanted to come on. A couple so, friends too. We got Dylan on here. We got Matt and whoever else wants to potentially come on and give their, their case or opinion or, or plan to what they think might work or what might not work. So uh, definitely looking forward to doing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, before we go any further, I would, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you at least shout out your clothing line. I mean, it's very important. It's, we can't start a row one. Yeah. Podcast. You know, still doing the drip kit. Um, it's been – it's better than it was the last time that we spoke, so that's all good things on that end. And uh, we got some new drops coming within the next couple of weeks, so we'll, we'll be on here again before then. Very cool. Um, all right, listen, you know, we, we, we pretty much have the podcast, and we haven't done it in almost forever because uh, COVID and we've been busy, whatever, new job, law school – and we pretty much have the podcast every night just arguing with each other. So there's really no difference. The only thing now is it's recorded. But I think the best way to start is, you know, we're happy to be back. We've been, we've been away for a while. But I think the best way to start is just kind of, you know, what the Giants need to do in, in free agency. We'll talk about. We'll talk about the draft. And, you know, what they need to do to hopefully get to that, you know, that Tampa that Tampa Super Bowl, the, the, you know, that Chiefs team, uh, or some, some way we could get to that Super Bowl. And obviously we're a far, you know, far way away. So, I mean. Uh, I think um, it'd probably be a better idea to recap a little bit about how last season ended. Sure. What, what we could build off from last season is obviously, you know, ending the season, going five and three, finding a head coach, finding some things that worked on the offensive line, finding some things that worked on the defensive line, the secondary, um, some, some good draft picks, solid free agent class. Um, so that's the positive, I would say. that that's, that's not arguable that it's, it's obvious that there's some pieces in the secondary that we could work with. Um, Leonard Williams is obviously the most important piece of the entire offseason. Like he, he needs to be priority number one. Yeah, and I think he is because of one, how, how good he is as a player, but then how important he is to Patrick Graham's system, obviously being able to stop the run, being able to have 10 plus sacks and just, just being a force. And, and that's where the, the majority of, of the defensive pressure is coming from. But obviously we're still missing the edge rusher. So that kind of leads me to my next point of the two main holes are obviously going to be the edge rusher and the receiver. So yeah. that's what I learned from last year. 
Well, I think I think there's obviously more positives to build on from the defense as there is the offense. I mean, you know, we could talk about the defense all day, but you know, the the reality is the the offense was a huge problem. I mean, the the wide receiver one, in my opinion, is the most important thing the Giants should target, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft. I think that the only way to know if Daniel Jones is going to be that franchise quarterback going forward, you need to have the wide receiver one. I mean, majority of the teams that that are you know. Are, are the best team in the league. They have that wide receiver one, the Tariq Hills, the Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, the Mike Evans, and we just don't have that. And, you know, Golden Tate, Slayton, Shepard, they're okay pieces, but until the Giants find that wide receiver one, whether it's Allen Robinson, which we'll talk about, whether it's Kenny Galladay, which we'll talk about, or Waddle or Smith or whoever, you know, wherever they find them, they need to do that. You know, it has to be a free agency or the draft. They can't go into another season without, you know, a wide receiver one. It's just not not the way to, to, to win in the league right now. Yeah, I saw something today. So, in, uh, Daniel Jones, even through Duke, he's never even – there was nobody that he ever played with at Duke that was an NFL talent. He's never sure. – none, none of those guys, receivers, linemen, tight ends even were drafted. Um, the only pro bowler that he's ever played with is Evan Ingram, which we, we all know, anybody who's listening to this podcast, is not a true pro bowler. He was just – named a pro bowler which is completely i mean he, he evan ingram had one of honestly uh, one of the worst seasons in terms of you know the potential that he has or had especially coming into this year thinking that the offense would be better with saquon obviously before his injury but he he i mean his drops were horrible he had a ton of bad plays for us he's not a good blocker uh, i think that the only way to see if jones is the guy is to get him some more talent around him we're gonna get dylan here sure um, I'm just going to hold in here for a sec. Sure, sure, sure. So I'm sure he'll connect here. Uh, we'll we'll kind of give our, our two cents, cents on, on that. And then wherever Dylan feels need to um, chime in, he could obviously do that. Um, but really what, what I think we need to do going forward is still figure out, like you said, that receiver one. Um, it's an extremely hard position to fill yeah. if you don't have the, the pieces around well, we don't even know if we have the quarterback yet. Yeah. So Jones, we've seen he, he's pretty accurate when he wants to be. He can move around a little bit. He can, he can get out of trouble when he wants to when he stays healthy. And he does have a huge reel of highlight film that, that's very positive. And, and you, you feel good when you see some of the things that he can do. Um, obviously, I'll be the first one to say it. He lacks a ton of, of skills that you need to be a good quarterback. The awareness is, to me, the number one skill. And, yeah, that, that's the one thing that I hate to watch when I see him play. Um, how are we doing, Dylan? Look who Yo, what's good? Yeah, we're just, how are we doing? Just to chi- uh, give you – we just started here. So, we're going to – we spoke about a little bit about what we saw last year um, and then how we feel we're going to improve on that this year through obviously first the free agency and, and then the draft. So I, I was just saying, obviously surrounded by Daniel Jones, he has his flaws and it does seem like at this point in time, he needs that situation around him to be perfect. Um, whether Joe judge or Jason Garrett are going to build that perfect situation for him. Um, that wide receiver one that could win those one-on-one battles that could score in the red zone that could really help, fill that void over the past couple of seasons that we had. I agree with you on that. I just don't know where you're going to find it. Yeah. And the receiver class this year, I know you have Allen Robinson. I know you have Kenny Galladay. I know you have Corey Davis. I know you have Curtis Samuel. 
one, you don't know where those guys are going to, you don't even know if they're going to hit free agency, actually. They might end up back at their own team. They might get franchise tag. So it's really tough at this point in time to, to declare who I would like to see, you know, on our team to play receiver. But the only guy that I could see make that actual jump from Daniel Jones is Allen Robinson. I don't see any of the other guys really making an impact enough because they haven't in their NFL careers to be the guy to bring Jones to that next step, to be that, that plaxico burst to Eli, to, you know, to be that Odell and really get the quarterback to the next level. I don't, I don't see it. And, and I think, and Dylan, please chime in after this. Cause I know that I know how you feel about this. I think that we yeah, could, sure. we could all, <laughs> get, you know, throw the Allen Robinson dream out. Like the, as great as it would be to have Allen Robinson on the team, he's 27 years old. I think he's 6'3", 6'4". He's a big body receiver, jump ball. Probably, honestly, Robinson, Evan, they're probably the two of the best jump ball guys in the league. And, and you know, you could throw the ball up to them and, and they're going to come down with the majority of the time. But throw the Allen Robinson dream out. They're, they're, yep. they're not paying him $20 million, $19 million, $18. It's not happening. They have to pay Leonard Williams. They may even try to pay Tomlinson. It's, there's no Allen Robinson. It's not, it's not a thing. If they sign him, there would be nobody happier than me and probably Matt, considering he loves him. But it, it's just not happening. I think the more realistic options are, are going to be the, you know, the Jalen Waddles and Devonta Smiths or the Chases, whoever falls, and maybe the, you know, the, the, the second or third tier wide receivers, whether it's Curtis Samuel, who I know Eric likes, Corey Davis, who I like. But the, the, the Allen Robinson thing, that's, that's done. I, I don't, the Giants aren't doing that. It's not happening. Dylan? Let me, let me ask you this. Um, just starting with the draft for a second, how would you guys feel about drafting a guy like Kyle Pitts and then, you know, making a splash for a receiver? You know, again, it, it may not be Allen Robinson, yeah. but if they can somehow get, you know, two, two second-tier guys and then add a guy like Kyle Pitts, and don't forget Judge comes from those New England days. Um, you got Hernandez and uh, what's his name, Gronk, and those two tight end sets back in New England. They yeah. may try to run that with a guy like Pitts and Engram, who are two totally different kind of. Here's here's my thing with Pitts, and obviously he's great. Not, by the way, it's not hard to tell that the guy's a stud. I mean, he's yeah. the top flight. Can't, but the, the only reason why I see the Giants taking Pitts is to fill the void that would be from Evan Ingram next year when we let him walk. I disagree. So, I disagree on so that. So that I don't think that 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 Evan Ingram would be a long term play if you're putting our first round pick as a as a tight end. Not to say that this year it can't be an extremely dynamic duo with those two guys that could help with in the yeah. and the pass because Ingram obviously, as we know, has gotten a little bit better at least from the run blocking perspective, and Pitts would come in and be a beast. But you also can't guarantee yourself Kyle Pitts. He he might not even make yeah. it. To 11. He could go top five. I I think the thing. I, I, I happen to really like Kyle Pitts. I really do. And I think the two tight I, agree. End, I think the two tight end set thing is is a good, you know, good point that you made with Judge and that Belichick tree. And they ran a lot of that last year. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, yeah, we did who who's the who's the second tight well, end? The problem is you're trotting out you're trotting out Caden Smith and, oh, and Levine Caden. Toilolo. It's not really gonna scare defense. Yeah. I think that the the Pitts, you know, pick at at eleven, which Honestly, listen, the guy had a, some Heisman talk early on in the season. He's a tight end. Like, it's not a thing. They, and, you know, Evan Ingram right. and Kyle Pitts are on two separate – they're in two separate stratospheres. I think that if you're drafting Kyle Pitts, that's just the best player available thing. I think that has nothing to do with Evan Ingram. Just like if you sign Corey Davis or whatever, you're still drafting Devonta Smith or Chase yeah. or, or, or Waddle, who's sure. there. That has nothing to do with, with that. I think Pitts – and, and, you know, if I got Kyle Pitts at 11, which seems unlikely to me, I think he's going to go much higher, honestly. 
and I, you know, I, I signed a Corey Davis, even a Curtis Samuel, I'd be really happy. You know, that's two legitimate weapons that, you know, the Giants add in free agency and through the draft that Daniel Jones didn't have last year. And you wonder why he struggled. And Evan Ingram would be, I actually don't, he's not bad. He just has bad hands. Like, I, I think, you know, he has talent. Like, I don't care what anybody says. You watch yeah. him. He does have talent. He's a talented guy. Sure. Fast. I mean, I just don't think they use him correctly. That's the problem. And whether that gets any better next year with Garrett still being here, you know, remains to be seen. I don't know. So, I mean, that's well, they don't. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, obviously, free agency is coming first. It's coming up within the next yeah. couple of weeks. And yeah. there, there needs to be a legitimate plan before you even get to the draft to that's sign right. somebody to help Daniel Jones because the whole management is gone if he cannot get a receiver one to help him this year. If he, he was a below average quarterback last year, this is going to be going on year three. If there's not somebody that comes in before the draft, because you can't rely on the on a draft guy to come in and compete year one, like you're not getting a Justin Jefferson anywhere. Like these guys are one in every couple of years. You could find a guy like that. So we'd be so lucky to get someone like that though. I'm not saying that you can't find somebody, but to rely on finding a Justin Jefferson this year, it's, it's, if if that's what you're hoping, we're going to be in some trouble, I think. Well, here's something else. Here's something else that a lot of Giants fans have kind of, you know, stopped talking about and something that we have to pay attention to now entering year three as well. Darius Slayton didn't have a great sophomore, sophomore season. Now, whether that that train. Yeah. I mean, I never really looked at him as a wide receiver one, but you gotta be, I think he's a good complimentary piece if he can play like he did his rookie year. But if he plays like he did this past year with all those drop balls, the injuries, I mean, then you're starting to go into year four and, you know, what is he in the offense at that point? You know, you're starting to put playmakers around your quarterback. If he doesn't have a big year, he may, uh, you know, that may come down to a, a question mark. We could, we could speak on some of the current players in the roster. I think this is a good chance to do so. I happen to to like Darius Slayton as a fifth round pick. He's, we they hit on him. Get, right. Gentleman nailed that pick. You can't yeah. expect from a fifth round guy to, to the guy produced, he, he put up 700 plus yards and, you know, five or six touchdowns for two years in a row. That, that's good. I wouldn't put that – I'm not mad if he's our third or fourth receiver. He, he, could really, he could extend the field. He's the only guy that could really run every route that we have. You can't, you can't run the same routes with Jeff and Tate and even Ingram. So to have him on the team is fine. I'm cool with that. But there needs to be more shorthanded, NFL-ready guys that could come in and help. Yeah, I think, I mean, you said it, a fifth round pick coming in and contributing, you know, pretty significantly, I put that in quotes because he didn't have a great season, but, you know, a fifth round pick coming in and and contributing like that, you're happy. But the problem is he's, I don't see him as a wide receiver too either. You know, I'm happy if I have Shep and I have a, you know, a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddle and then I have Slayton, then I'm happy. But I'm not having him on the field as the first receiver. I'm not I'm having him on the field as the number two. You know, I, I'm, he can come make plays for you guys, for, for, for the Giants, but, you know, I'm not a huge – I'm not a huge Darius Slate. He drops too many balls for me. It's same shit. Yeah. 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 I think it's also important for us, for the sake of the podcast, to focus more so on the offense because we know that's where the problems lie. And we yeah. know that if we get that running, if we could get an offense where it should be, we could actually be a pretty dangerous team because we saw that the defense has potential. The coach is a stud. Um, but just wanted to point that out there. We could kind of segue that into the offensive line. Um, as I mentioned, I know that we found two or three solid pieces this year, maybe out of nowhere. I know that our center gates, I didn't expect him to be good. 
stud. Or even really anybody. I know Lemieux came in and, and played. Honestly, maybe four guys. You got Gates, you got Lemieux, you got Pert, and you got Thomas. So, so the, the positive side of that is these guys came out of nowhere and played really good. The, the downside of that is the guy who drafted to actually be good kind of got overshadowed by those guys. So yeah. you kind of opened the floor to that. Uh, we could start with Andrew Thomas. I don't know how you guys feel about him. Um, well, here, here's, here's what I would say to that, right? I think that everybody expected Andrew Thomas to kind of come in and be this all-pro left tackle right away. So when he wasn't that, you know, us being Giants fans and everybody just being, you know, crazy about a first-round pick, yeah. we were like, holy shit, is this dude a bust? When in reality, left tackle probably next to quarterback and cornerback is the hardest position to adjust to in the NFL. Think that midway through the season, when there was the coaching changes and Judge working with the offensive line, he started to play a lot better. And then little do we know, at the end of the season, we found out he was playing on a bum ankle. Yeah. So I think it was kind of, you know, we look at the, the Tristan Wirfs, we look at uh, Makai Beckton's, who maybe started off, um, you know, a little bit hotter and, and quicker than Thomas did. But I'm not, I'm not for one second looking at Thomas and saying, did we really fuck this up? Yeah, no way. Um, you know, I think, you know, now this is a big year for him now. Um, and I think he's really got to show that he is a franchise left tackle just as much as, you know, DJ's got to show he's the franchise quarterback. Right. And, and that brings up a good point. And no matter how good DJ plays or if we bring the, bring in the wide receiver one, if, if our left tackle that we took at four is a bust, we could, you, you could kiss the season goodbye, essentially. I'm um, yeah. not saying that I'm worried about that at all. Um, I actually think very high, highly of Andrew Thomas, and I've seen him, you know, just raw talent in college and even some of the things he's done with us. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. impressed. So on the other side um, of, the, of that offensive line that's evolving since, you know, for the past five or six years, I or like 10 Pert. Or 20, what it feels like. I like Pert. I like what he did. Um, Fleming came in on the one-year deal. He, he's not good enough. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to see him on no. the squad anymore. Yeah. Um, another guy to keep your eye on, which is a, a pretty good conversation topic, is Nate Solder. Um, let's not forget that we brought him in two years ago, obviously, because of the COVID situation, he didn't play. Um, that was his right to not play. We all respect that as fans. But this guy is going to need to come in, and, and Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge are going to need to sit him down and give him the number that we're comfortable paying, whatever that number might be. I don't know, and figure out what goes on there. Um, I would take him on my team as the right tackle. I mean, the guy is a proven tackle in football. He's played with Tom Brady. He's Super a proven guy, ton of experience. And if he if he's willing to move over to the right side of the offensive line to to play well and obviously mentor Thomas and the rest of the young guys on the team, I'm down. My, um, my, yeah. my thing to that, e, um, and you guys tell me if you agree on this, I'm cool with bringing in Solder, you know, at a big pay cut. He's paid – yeah. Much too high right now. He's not going to – he's no, not, The pay cut is inevitable. It's just yeah. how much of a pay cut is he going to be right. where he's so, willing to come back. The thing is, regardless, the Giants are bring. if Nate Solder – if you're telling me Nate Solder's on this 2021-2022 Giants football team, he's not starting at right tackle right away. He's bringing gonna, in Nate Solder is very much like bringing in, you know, a Corey Davis. The Giants should absolutely draft a right tackle at 11, that kid Slater or, or you know – um, Sewell, depending on who's there, they should absolutely take a right tackle at 11 if they feel that that guy's the best player available. Should have nothing to do with Nate Solder. Nate Solder is not stopping the Giants from drafting, you know, a tackle. Well, yeah. unfortunately, no one on the – the way the roster is constructed, nobody's good enough to rule out any position. Yeah. Quarterback 100%. included. 100%. 100%. I, I agree. He's not – you know, it's not good, but – you know, it's the same scenario it's always been. You draft the best player available. You hope yeah, that he's going to compete. 
yeah, there's nothing wrong with bringing in Solder to compete for a right tackle spot. I have no problem with that. Even if they draft a, you know, a tackle in the first round, I'm happy with that. I'd rather have the depth and I'd rather have the, the competition. I training. don't think offensive line is off the table at all. No uh, here, here's, my, here's my one – here's the one big question mark I think, you know, I have specifically for the offensive line. I know, you know, Giants Twitter is, is so crazy and obsessed with this idea of cutting or trading Kevin Zeitler. Uh, and hear me out for a sec, who has been probably over the past two to three years best the man. most consistent and best offensive lineman we have, with the exception of Nick Gates starting to play really, really well. Um, but Zeitler, again, he's a little bit, you know, I think he's 31 or 32. Yeah. I could be wrong. Um, but, you know, Giants fans are like, yeah, we're paying this guy $10 million a year. If you look at what above average offensive guards are making, that's a pay cut. I mean, that's a, you know, a steal. That, that's um, a good point, Dill. That's a really good point. And my thing to, to that is, I'm cool. There's no cutting Kevin's. Like, why? It makes no sense. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good player playing at a premium position, paid un, like under market value. There's no reason. Yeah. But if I'm the Giants, I would approach Kevin Zeitler um, on a on maybe you know backload another year onto that, his yeah. deal, and that's how uh -huh. I think you're going there. Backload yeah. another year onto his deal and lower that cap hit to six or seven or five million. And, you know, use that money somewhere else, whether it's more right. pieces on the O-line or receiver or something like that. I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I think extending him, like, whether it be one to two years, like you said, and putting more, you know, money on the back end of the contract. Now, hear me out. If Will Hernandez was playing at an all-pro level and they saw what they had in this kid Lemieux and felt they could get younger and cheaper, by all means, he would just be the odd man out. But I think, again, after now he's going into year four, Will Hernandez – yeah, I think we I think we gotta just agree. He's just not that good. Yeah, um, I think in his rookie year, it's three. This is this will be his third year. He came in with uh, Barkley. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Fourth year. No? Oh yeah, four, four, yeah, four, four, four. This is Barkley's fourth. Yeah, yeah this is Barkley's fourth. Barkley's right. fourth. The um, it's Jones. The, Jones third. Jones third. Right. The the Giants are in no position to get rid of anybody on the offensive line. Nobody. Yeah. They got rid of a, a few coaches and they just brought brought a couple in. I think they brought Flaherty in, but like, there's no yeah. reason to get rid of, especially Will Hernandez, who's on a rookie contract. That makes no sense. Right. Yeah. No sense. I mean, at the end of the day, he's thing, good depth, you know? Of course. The Solder thing I get, whatever, well, you know, they'll figure that out. And I think he'll be back at, at a much reduced uh, price. Um, Which I'm okay with. No, position. no you're, you're happy as a Giant fan if you could somehow bring Nate Solder back. Um, but I think there's going to be some underlining I think it's almost assumed that when he took the year off last year for those health purposes and we brought in Andrew Thomas with with our number four overall pick he kind of understood what was the deal there so I think the Giants obviously being the classy organization that they are they're going to find a way to take care of him whether that means he's going to be our right tackle at best maybe or maybe he's going to just go off into the sunset um, and retire right um, but either way we hope the best for Nate Solder um, but it might be that Matt Pert, who we took out of UConn last year, might be the best guy, and, and I'm cool with him. I know that he has the build to be a really good tackle. Yeah. He's big, he's strong, he's long, yeah. he's young, and that's what it's got to be in the NFL. we got to bring in these, these guys through a two-, three-year period, mesh them as best we can, and get five solid guys to build a young QB around. Yeah. And um, one guy that we didn't speak about, I feel like he's the forgotten guy, um, I know he was hurt, but he's the guy we love. He's the face of our franchise, at the way it's constructed now, and that's Saquon. I was going there next, yep. Yes, yeah, so to kind of open up the floor with that, obviously, really bad injury. 
Um, but part of the reason why you take a guy like that so high is you kind of understand that if, if he has that gruesome injury, he could bounce back because he's not really constructed like the rest of the, the rest of the world. Yeah. So I hope that he could come back to be the player that he was the rookie year. And nobody's talking about that if that does happen with the way Jones has been trending and, and the way the offensive line has been trending and the way the defense has been playing, that's going to be something that we haven't seen in Barkley's career yet. So the Gi- so 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 we went six and ten this season, right? I'm I'm convinced that if a healthy twenty six was playing, they could have easily been at least maybe eight and eight. Uh, I don't think that's crazy to say. And, and and the reason why is not because of how you know good Barkley is. I mean, Galman right. comparable numbers for the you know for the season, but so the amount of games and and the margin of error that the Giants have is so small. If we make one mistake throughout a game, we're just not good enough to overcome that. But if you have Barkley who could score at any play that changes the game so dynamically for us. And he just puts us over the edge and he could really, you know, make up Mm -hmm. some of the mistakes that we had. No, sorry, Jessica. Bill, you and I discussed this briefly over Twitter. Actually, it might've been in the group, in the Giants group chat we have. The, The thing with Barkley is, and I know you'll agree on this. They need to use him like Alvin Kamara and not like Nick Chubb. That's the mm-hmm. problem. And you know why the Giants w- with Odell? And Odell's stats were great, obviously. But the, the team was bad besides that one fluke season with the great defense, 11-5, yeah. whatever. The team, for the most part, was bad because Odell's touches were so forced from Eli, so forced, and so many turnovers because, you know, he's locked on one guy. The Giants forced the ball sometimes, and you wonder why he led the league in, those in, in, in negative runs. Or remember against the Jets, 13 rushes, one yard, yeah. or something like that. Like, they need to use him like Alvin Kamara, put him in space and, and, you know, run him on those wheel routes, and they just don't do it enough. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's so mind-blowing how the Giants use Saquon Barkley. He's amazing. Yeah. He's realistically, if he's Incredible. healthy and, and he's being used correctly, he's the best running back in football. He came in rookie season, 2,000 yards, 16 total touchdowns or 15 total touchdowns, dominated. Every place dominated. <laughs> what? That was with ease that season. With ease. Yeah. Was with ease. And it's, I think that's more so because, of you know, he's a rookie. You don't know exactly what to expect. And he kind of just took the world by storm. The next year, you know, ankle injury and hurt. And then this year, obviously, with the, you know, with the ACL. But they obviously need to use him and move him around and, and create mismatches, just like they don't do with Evan Ingram. And you wonder yeah. why these guys who are very talented – are not succeeding. They're just not using them correctly. And I thought Judge, you know, w- would kind of move that around and and you know put him in better positions to succeed. Obviously, he got hurt, so you well, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on Judge. No, I'm not. I'm saying it remains I to be think, seen. I think that it could even be a positive to say that Joe Judge did put Evan Ingram in positions to succeed. He just literally physically couldn't hang on to the ball. I mean, in yeah. Philly, we, I was at the game. He he, he gave the, the game away to a division opponent on the road like that's season changing yeah they did the same thing multiple other games I think that to go back to Saquon Barkley if you get him a full season with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett two brilliant football minds they'll be able to utilize him as best as best as you can he's just got to do his part and stay healthy yeah yeah I thought the the best game as far as from a a coaching perspective that it was the old coaching staff under Shermer um, the best game that they had that was kind of tailored around Barkley was um, I forget? I think it was Week 15 versus Washington in Washington when when uh, yeah. when EJ had those five touchdown passes. I mean, they lined Barkley up as a as a wide out and did a little. Sure, wide and he's a good offensive coordinator, Shermer. He's good. 
Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's great from a coordinator perspective. He yeah. just could not, he was not the leader of that team. No, definitely not. Um, I thought it was the wrong hire, you know, not to get off topic from, uh, from the day he was hired. But as far as that one game, I think that goes to show you what two six can be when, when he's in space. I mean, they did like this wheel route where when DJ had time, Saquon basically just, you know, flew yeah. into the end zone. They don't do it. And when, you know, they don't do it enough, but also, you know, kind of to the point of what you were saying earlier about, you know, judge is that the jury's still out, right? He got, I don't think, you know, him getting uh, injured in week two was part of anybody's plan. So that kind of had a huge hinder on what they were able to do on offense and kind of really forced them to shake things up and put a lot of pressure on DJ. And yeah. then back to what Eric, what we were talking about earlier, when you don't have like a, like Odell Beckham, like a wide receiver one kind of guy, you can just, you know, throw up, throw it up to on one-on-one -on -one coverage and kind of just have him go up for the ball. You're asking a lot of your quarterback, especially when he's going out with those players that he's going out with. I love Sterling Shepard, um, but he's just, again, not a wide receiver one. Engram, wildly inconsistent. Wow. Um, and the other guy, you know, Slayton, like we said before, were just not enough to offset the pressure that DJ had on him. So I think that with a really solid offseason and not just throwing money and drafting to draft, but strategically signing guys who are going to contribute offensively with a Saquon that comes back healthy on a, on a healthy, you know, two, two knees, two legs. I mean, Adrian Peterson, I think he got, had what? He rushed for 2000 yards. Did he win the MVP that year? Yeah. I, I could, yeah. Yeah. So let's not rule that out that Saquon can come back and, and realistically be what he was his rookie year. Definitely. Um, I think it's more likely know. than not. I think, yeah. I think those are all good points, um, but we all know that, you know, there's, there's, there's no secrets on how we're going to succeed this year, and those guys are on the roster currently. Um, whatever we do in free agency, they're just going to be small pieces. We're not at a point right now where we need to bring in that, you know, that J.J. Watt to get us over the edge, or we need to draft that stud that's really going to get us over the edge. So you look at the division and, and the way it's constructed right now, Philly doesn't scare you. Washington, they won the division last year, but we, we beat them twice. And, and then you got Dallas. I mean, Dallas has a ton of questions, but I think no matter how they come in at the beginning of the season, they're always going to underachieve. Yeah. Um, I think that Dak is a stud. I think other people see it elsewise. But th the time to win is, is literally this season. If things go south again this year, who knows where this roster is going to be? I mean, Jones is not guaranteed to come back with another subpar year. No Gettleman is not guaranteed to come back. And I, I love Joe Judge. He's, he's amazing. But if things go south again this year in this New York market, people are going to be calling for his head too. And, and that's a guarantee. I could guarantee you that even though people aren't saying it. So I do think that we do have some of the tools this year, barring, you know, a, a good off season, a good draft to, to compete for that NFC championship. Uh, I, 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 no, I, you're not wrong. I, and, and, the re and I want everyone to understand, you know, whoever's listening, we don't say that because we think the Giants are some great team. They yeah. are not. Let's let's get that straight. They are not a great team. They're they're they're, you know, at best they're an average football team. Last year, six and ten. I know it's below average, but I think, you know, towards the end of the year because they started off so cold. I think you know most would consider them probably around an average football team, depending on the play of the quarterback, you know, and a couple other factors. But let's let, let's get one thing clear: the Giants are the most. In the NFC East, they, they have the most stable quarterback position. I mean, Dak has, is coming off a, a, a very bad ankle injury, let's be honest. It's a horrible ankle injury. I, I think he'll be the starter of the Dallas Cowboys, and, and if he is, they're the favorite. doesn't matter what anybody says. They're the sure. favorite in the division. You know, they, they have the most stable quarterback position 
you know, in the NFC East if Dak is there. They're, for some reason, I have no clue why, they're just refusing to pay him. I mean, this is going on almost two years. He's obviously good. He's not amazing. But, you know, his turn, you know, it's his turn to get paid. He's worth the $35 million, you know, according to the market or whatever, whatever the price is right now. And they're just, you know, they're really playing with fire. And if I'm Dak, I'm pissed off. You saw how bad that team was with, with, without a quarterback. Philly just got rid of Wentz. I think that was premature. I, if I'm Philly, I wasn't doing that. I, Hertz was good and bad. He was hot and cold, but I wouldn't do that. And Washington doesn't have a quarterback. You know, the, Smith is gone. They signed Heineke to two years, like eight mil or whatever. But, you know, there's question marks all over the NFC East. It's totally up for grabs. Probably the most, you know, up for grabs division in all of football. I, I don't even know if that's arguable. I, I think it definitely Yeah, is. no, it, it always is. That's We haven't had a, a back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. so and, and it, I think the Giants definitely have the most stable quarterbacks. This is not saying he's great. You know, he needs some help. But I think right it, now they are the most stable team, you know, at the QB spot. Something, I mean, not to, to kind of segue back into the draft, because I think that's another important topic. But as Giant fans, we've always been lucky to, to not need to worry about drafting that QB in the draft. So we have the luxury, if we want to go wide out one, you can. If you, you want to reach for an edge, I know that we spoke to some people within the organization that don't like the edge class this year, no. but that's fine. You want to go edge, you can. You want to take the right tackle, you can. You want to take a corner, you can. Um, and that's something that a team like Washington it does not have the luxury to do. Dallas doesn't know what they're doing at their quarterback position. Neither does Philly. Philly has a very high draft pick. They, yeah. they used a second round pick on a quarterback, which is a completely different ball game than using a first round pick as, as we did with Jones. So I wouldn't take it out of the picture that they take uh, a quarterback. Even and, us. And no, no. I, I don't know about that. I, I, not, I, I see the job. That's not happening. Well, I would normally, Jesse, I would normally say yes at 11 if there's a quarterback there that, you know, could maybe I be an up I said corner. Oh. Oh, oh corner, corner. I thought you said yeah. corner. corner. Hold on a sec. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> No, yeah, I thought you said, I thought you said quarterback. No, unless Trevor Lawrence is there, which. Yeah. No. I didn't say quarterback. I meant corner. No, I, would, I, would take, I would take a cornerback too. Yeah. Um, but obviously we know that the, the issues lie on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, just a quick Darnay Holmes note. Love him. I think he played exceptionally well this season, or last past season. I think he's going to be a, a stud for us in the nickel. Yeah. And as you know, as you construct defenses, you that's been a weakness of ours. I, I just players off the top of my head. I don't know why I'm thinking of like Trevin Wade, uh, Tremaine McBride, guys that just like yeah, we, we have good have defenses. Just guys yeah. that that teams know cannot match up with anybody because they're not NFL talent. I wonder why we're always getting crushed by tight ends because we've never yeah, had no, to yeah. have a guy like Holmes with Bradbury, with Peppers, with Logan, with all these guys. It, it's just another weakness that we have solved. That's so right. it's going to be another process, but, but to have him on the team, I think is, is do not overlook that. I think he's going to be very good. He put up really good numbers rookie season yeah. and he'll look to replicate and that. He, he was hurt a little bit too. So. Yeah. He got a little, he got a yeah. little banged up at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, don't don't rule that out him him coming back fully healthy, yeah. uh, but going back to what you what you just kind of touched on about you know drafting a cornerback at eleven, I don't think that's as out of the question as we may you know r- you know rule it off to be. They've done it already. Uh, They've done it twice. We've done it. We did it with Apple. We did it with Baker. Uh, it's not crazy. No, you're Everyone right. says you know Gettleman loves these hog mollies. We know he does, but let's look at all the cornerbacks he's drafted. He realizes that today is a passing league. If you're going up quarterbacks and teams that are throwing the ball, 
you know, 300, 400 yards a game, you got to have the guys that can cover. And right now, Bradbury, stud. Darnay Holmes looked super promising. There's a huge question mark, though, at that cornerback, too. And you look at a team like Dallas, I mean, each one of their wide receivers would be another wide receiver one on any other team. I mean, uh, Amari Cooper, wide receiver one. CeeDee Lamb, he's looking like a wide receiver yeah, one. 100%. Even, um, even Michael Gallup, I mean, on another team with a – They are wide receiver one. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, who are we putting – I mean, Julian Love, again, showed some signs of, of being a competent quarterback. But, I, I mean, look what happened when Bradbury was out versus uh, Cleveland. That defense got Different roasted. Team. Different team. You know, different team. And I, I don't – you know, while I realize that the offense needs a ton of work, yeah. I don't think it's so crazy to rule out them taking a Patrick Sertain. I don't know much about him, but I know he's a stud. If yeah. he's there at 11, um, other cornerbacks, I, I don't think it's so crazy to rule out. And then them maybe making a splash, maybe not an Allen Robinson, but other kind of skill position players yeah. to bring in during free agency. It really all depends on what they do in, you know, two, three weeks from now. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, the free agency is going to have a, a good indication of what we're going to do next. But when you look at the big picture of the NFL and how it works and, and the business side of things, you you need to nail that first pick. Yes, to have an instant impact guy, but you, you want to pay him as least as possible to be as productive as possible for four to five years. And that's so, and that's that's the best point. I, that's part the, whole thing part of the reason why we're in this situation now is we've, we've missed on those guys and, and we've forced to go out and trade for Leonard Williams and trade assets and, and pay Blake Martinez. And yes, they produce, but we're paying top dollar for them. And it just makes the roster harder to just have impact guys everywhere you look. That's why you look at Kansas City and all these guys, they're just oiled machines. Guys just come in and out. The system is already there. The scheme is already there. It's just kind of like a chart of, of who's going to come in next. Yeah. And here's that, uh, that a judge implements that. Yeah. From the scheme standpoint, because the, the players, what, what Pat Shermer taught me was he was such a bad coach that he made me realize after watching so many years of football, it, it's majority scheme and, and coaching and the game plan that goes into week by week. And that's why what you saw with judge, we were one and seven with the same players that we went five and three with. Yeah. It was just guys believing in him. And understanding, you know, this is going to be a process. And I was just very happy to see. And that's why I'm honestly very promising for next season with a few more pieces that we could succeed. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, we were discussing the draft a little bit before. Why don't we at least get into it a little bit, you know, before we close up? Do you guys think that, in my opinion, that there's, there's four teams, you know, in that top 10, because obviously, we're, you know, we're, we're drafted 11. There's four teams that need a quarterback. You know, you have the Jaguars, that's gone with Lawrence. At two with the Jets, if you, I don't know what you guys think. You guys can tell me how you feel. I don't think they're staying with Sam Darnold. Me personally, I probably would. I, I honestly probably would. That team is so bad. I've went, yeah. I've went back and forth on this. I have, yeah. a, you know, a couple friends who are diehard Jets fans, and we talk about it all the time. You could make a case for either situ situation. But I just think that he hasn't shown you enough. Like, you look back at Daniel Jones' rookie year, there were some, you know, real real flashes of greatness. I mean, he, he was throwing some some balls last year. And, granted, I know we we're talking about his rookie year now, which is – Even this year, even this year, he, he made some, some head-turning plays. Yeah, but I just don't think when you look that's, at – you know, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that pretty much sums up Eli's career, you know? 
But when you look at a guy like Sam Darnold, I don't, I can't look back at his tape and be like, wow, to a handful of players. I mean, he hasn't done enough, I don't think, to prove to, you know, Salah now and this guy LaFleur, who's their offensive coordinator. Do I think Sam Darnold can be successful elsewhere in the right system? Sure. I think he was doomed the day he got drafted to the yeah. Jets. Yeah. But I think starting over with a guy like Zach Wilson, who, again, resets the quarterback contract. Now you have more money to go spend on free agents to surround him with the pieces to then evaluate in the next three to four years. Is this, is this the guy? Um, I really like Zach Wilson. I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. Me too. Me too. Um, I, I imagine that LaFleur's system, and this is uh, Michael Floor, is going to be somewhat like Shanahan's system in San Francisco, that kind of offense. Um, and having, you know, a solid run game, that can be interesting to pair with a guy like Zach Wilson. I just think, you know, getting a second or late first, I don't think they'll get a first. Schefter seems to think they will. If you can, you sign, sign, I, sign the dotted line. First All right. Well, to, to stick with the Giants here, I think it'd be a pretty cool topic if we gave a three-step plan because I think that's really all we need. I don't think it's anything more complicated than that. And it starts with your big money free agency. Well, not big money because we don't have that much money. But kind of give me an understanding of what you think we should do with the majority of our free agent money, our first-round pick, and our second-round pick. No, I'll, I'll go first. You could, you could give you a player, it. a position, round one, round two. I, here's, here's my thing, and I've been preaching this to Eric. I've been even preaching this to Dylan. I've been preaching it to the group chat for, for almost months now, I feel, it feels like at least. I think the Giants – I, I think, you know, signing Leonard Williams to that, to that mega deal that he deserves, let, you know, make, mo make no mistake about it. He definitely deserves that 18, that 19 million a year. I think that's, you know, that's, that should be priority number one. Okay. Now someone, I agree with you, someone not on the roster. I, me personally, I know you disagree with this. I think Corey Davis, if, you know, if we're going to throw away Leonard Williams, whatever, you know, he's probably going to get signed. I think Corey Davis should be the guy that the Giants should target. He, he's a he's a tier two, he's a tier two receiver that has maybe some upside, you know, as that lot as a lottery pick years ago to be a number one. You're not signing him as you know in a in free agency as a number one. I think that if you could get Davis for eight to twelve million dollars a year, hopefully a little lower, I think that's a no brainer. And then in the draft, I you know Davis doesn't do anything you know in terms of me drafting a receiver or me drafting Kyle Pitts or whatever. I would love to sign Leonard Williams. I'd love to sign Corey Davis to, to a, you know, a, a three to four year, year deal. And I would love to draft whether it's Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, or uh, Devonta Smith. Give me any of them. And I think the giants are in a really good spot. So Eric, walk me through again, what you want me to outline for you. I know you said a three-step plan, but what position points and like what, uh, so you know, where do you position points are completely up to you. If you were in the war room from day one right now, what, what do you tell Gettleman or, or what do you tell Mara? What, what do you, where we should go? Uh, okay. Jesse, so Jesse outlined it. He said, sign Leonard Williams, sign Corey Davis, draft another impact receiver and then get a lineman. Right. That's what you said. Lineman. I didn't even involve linemen because, but linemen should be a round one and a round two. It should be a, a wide receiver round one and tackle round two or tackle round one wide receiver round two. That's all I want to see from the giants. So I definitely, I definitely agree with Jesse that re-signing Leonard Williams is a priority. However, I don't think again, at the end of the day that the giants should be getting into a massive bidding war 
and overpaying for a guy like Leonard Williams. Did he play well? Does he deserve a big contract? Yes, but we've seen how this kind, these kinds of things have panned out for the Giants. 11 and a half sacks. I mean, let's not forget one season ago prior, he had 0.5 sacks. Uh, he was in a contract year. His agent told him, listen, you need to play well in order to get that big contract. And deservedly so, he will get it somewhere. But the Giants cannot, and they probably will, but it would be kind of bad to overpay and lock yourself into a three, four-year contract with a guy who prior to this one year was inconsistent. Um, with that being said, if they can get it at the right price in that, in that market, I think re-signing him is a priority. So uh, just that, today was, was $15 million per year, just to throw that in. I'd be happy. At $15 million, I think that's a steal. I think it's a good deal. I, don't, I, I think deal. his market is way higher, but Dylan, finish your, uh, your offseason plan. He's also – but don't forget that – what's his name? J.J. Watt was only on a two-year deal, so I think they can probably get out. Is that fully guaranteed? Or I think probably something of it was I guaranteed. doubt it's fully guaranteed. No. I didn't so see the we'll see what, what Leo ends up getting. I hope it's with the Giants. I just don't want to see them miserably overpay and then have to, you know, be in such a hole in, you know, two, three years when he's not getting 11 and a half sacks. Hopefully he is, but if we don't, we've seen that situation pan out. Anyway, with that being said, at the right price, re-signing him is a priority. Another guy in free agency I'd like to see them sign that's been kind of under the radar, but I don't know if you saw Slayton has been kind of recruiting him. Carl Lawson, the defensive end from Cincinnati, um, he's been totally kind of, you know, like undervalued his entire career. Um, He's so underrated, in my opinion. He's a guy that produces and is really never really talked about. Uh, And that is a much needed kind of pass rusher this defensive unit could use. Um, Because I think at this point, we're banking on Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez coming back and and with Leo and, and that front four and, while I think they're a good rotational unit, that's not Giants football. I mean, guys that are getting three and a half sacks a season, those aren't the pass rushes we need. We need eight plus sacks per year kind of guys, 10 if, if we're getting greedy. Um, so I'd like to see them go after a guy like Lawson if they unfortunately miss out on re-signing a guy like Leo. Um, I know I'm still in free agency, but my receiver of choice, I know Jesse likes um, Corey Davis and I would like Corey Davis but I would like to see them pursue Kenny Galladay if he hits the open market. I think, Eric, you were mentioning Plaxico Burris and that big-bodied receiver. I mean, other than Galladay, maybe you can say Allen Robinson, but Robinson's going to be too much money. Um, I think Galladay is that big body that we've been lacking on offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's 6'3", and you know, people say he's been injury-prone. Just these last you know, couple games of the year, he was out, but other than that, He's been relatively healthy and a great weapon for Matthew Stafford. Um, I don't think he's going to make it to the open market, but uh, if he does, I would I would like to see them pursue him. And oh, then in the draft, three by the way, just saying. What'd you say? Corey Davis six three two. Just saying. Oh, he is. Oh, I didn't know that. My my thing, and and I'll let you go right after this, Dill. Let me just yeah yeah. Uh, let me let me just chime in. Sure. I think Galladay is going to be closer to Allen Robinson in terms of money than he is to Corey Davis. I, I'm, I'm seeing for Galladay, I don't know what you guys are seeing on Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff, but I'm seeing like 15, 16 million. Galladay's good, but is he so much better than Corey Davis that, he, that he's worth another seven, eight million? I don't think so. I think the Giants, you know, I, listen, well, that's, he's, good. that's he's definitely another, better. Another thing to bring up, like, 
to, to overpay for somebody to play wide receiver when you know the great teams, the way they're constructed, they don't go out and sign that receiver for $18 million. That's what puts them over the edge. Look at, look at the Browns. The Browns are a great team. They traded us for Odell. They got that receiver, but they were better without him. Yes. That's not what they need to go over the next step. I will say, though. Odell's paid $18 million, though. A guy that really did that for their team is Stefan Diggs, but that's not because it was just him. The team was built pretty much perfectly for the past five years. And then they put that receiver in that was just a stud. So that's why I'm of the idea of you need to get that guy in the draft to have the upside because the guys at free agency, they're not going to do that for you. And you're just going to waste more of Jones's time. That's kind of why I was advocating for Corey Davis because he's realistically half of what Galladay costs for a lesser player, but still a very productive player, at least this year. I mean, listen, you know, the Titans were run first team. They had AJ Brown, Joni Smith, he was almost the third or fourth option, and he still produced a lot. So I think for half the price of Galladay and, and even more so of, of Allen Robinson, I think Davis makes a lot of sense as a big body receiver and a guy, you know, who, who could make plays for Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've heard a lot about Corey Davis. I don't know much about him, but from what I've heard about, you know, the NFL rumors and everything, he's ascending. Like you said, he played on a, a run-heavy team. Uh, so who knows? He could be a totally different kind of receiver on a different team with a, a pass first team, um, which I think the Giants realize that, you know, is important if you want to win in today's league is, you know, passing the ball, which is why they're trying to get him weapons. Um, so I wouldn't be mad at that. I also wouldn't be mad at getting a guy like Curtis Samuel. Um, am I, is he at the top of my list? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I think there are better guys than him. But I think that something that really strikes me, other than the Gettleman connection, that who drafted him in Carolina, uh, Judge really, you know, screams versatility. And talk, that's Mr. Versatility. I mean, that's like a guy who takes end of rounds. He lines up in the backfield. Yeah. Um, so he's all over the place. And, I mean, again, this is a big season for Jason Garrett. I don't think he's had this much pressure on him in, in a while. Years. Um, you know, Years. You know yeah. It, yeah. he's got a lot to prove this year. Um, and I think that, you know, getting him the right pieces is the first step. And once they do that, it's then on him to utilize them correctly. And again, it goes back to how they use Barkley. If you're not utilizing a guy like Curtis Samuel to his strengths, then what did you sign him for? Right. You know, Eric um, loved Curtis Samuel. Well, listen, I, I'm not going to say that I love Curtis Samuel, but I do know who our general manager is. He was the one who went out of his pocket and paid Jerry Reese's Sterling Shepard. He gave him that additional money. He went out and signed Golden Tate. And I think that Curtis Samuel is that same build and he'll produce in a similar light. Um, he's not. He also did sign, he, he did sign Odell, even though he traded him, but he signed him. Right. But that, that any, anybody was signing Odell at that. Yeah. But the yeah. guys that, that, that Gettleman likes are these versatile guys, as you alluded to, he, he could catch passes. He's not going to kill Joe. He's not going to, you know, Corey Davis is very, he's not doing everything on the field. He's not running every route. He's not extremely versatile as a guy like Samuel that I think plays to a guy like Jones's strength, you know, with the short intermediate passes, he's productive wherever you put him slot outside running back guys that, that could, you know, make things happen. I, I just don't think Corey Davis is a guy that you could just line up and just ball out for you. I just don't see that. And that's why I think that he should be our number two target in free agency um, behind an edge rusher. Um, I think that defense is only as good as the guys that get pressure on the outside of the field. And as good as our interior defense is, I mean, we've watched 
teams run up the score on us certain games because there was no pressure on the outside. So that's a huge gap that we need to take seriously because I think it's a, it's a pretty big hole of ours. And to take that defense from top, wherever we were, maybe, what were we, 10 or 11? I think nine, yeah. I think somewhere um, around there, yeah. You get that dominant edge rusher. I know some of the names. You got Yannick, Judon, Dupree, Lawson, as you said, Clowney. Yeah. I don't know who's going to be there, but I would put the majority of that money wherever it t- comes out to be to be an edge rusher. I- I'm cool with that, yeah. and, and you said it at the end, but I don't know if you, if you said it loud enough. I was just going to say this. The guy that killed the Giants last year – Hassan Reddick, he had five sacks. Yeah, I happen to think a guy out of Temple. He's a he's a he's a fast edge rusher. He's lean. He can cover. I think Hassan Reddick for the Giants. I haven't heard not that I've seen anything about it, but I know he is a free agent this year. I think he makes a ton of sense for the Giants. Upside is crazy. The market for him is not astronomical as it would be for a JJ Watt or it would be for a Yannick Ngakwe or, or something like that. I think Hassan Reddick for the Giants makes a ton of sense. He crushed us last year. Single-handedly, five sacks, we got destroyed. And I think that he hasn't been talked about at all in free agency. And it might be a good time to you know, try to sign him in the, in the coming weeks. He, he's a good player. Yeah, I agree. So to finish my, my offseason plan, I know I started with the edge rusher, which I think we should obviously spend the majority of our cash on this offseason. Yeah. I think that it's time to draft your receiver one of the future. Um, I think Jalen Waddle is the guy. I think that he's been overlooked at Alabama. I think that he was hampered by an injury, which I think that he could definitely overcome. He was, he was hurt. He was it yeah. happens. Um, and you always see that in college. You always have the, the DKs and the AJ Brown, and you don't really know which one's better, the Odell and the Jarvis. And they both come out, and they're always dynamic on their own roster because they're still very talented. Yeah. So to get a guy like Jalen Waddle out of the, the top SEC school wide receiver, you, and kind of just say like, this is going to be our receiver. This is going to be our next Odell Beckham. This guy is going to eventually have 1600 yards, 1700 yards and actually put that burden on him, as opposed to Corey Davis or Samuel, like these guys, you, you see what they got. You can do both. And I got news for you. As I, I, was, said. Gonna say, I was going to say, you know, if you That's go and sign a guy. Yeah. You can but it's not guaranteed that Corey Davis is going to even want to come here or he wants to play with a rookie quarterback. He, you, Jalen Waddle has no choice. If the Giants have him, he is on our roster, and we are going to breed him to be a New York football giant. Yeah. And he's the only way that we could really prolong Daniel Jones' career, in my opinion. I think that it's a lock. If he's there, I put the card in in two seconds. Um, I know that we have other needs, but that's the guy that I want to see on the team for – years to come and yeah. I think he would crush it in New York he's an Alabama guy he's probably no bullshit he's played under Saban he's got the ties with Judge that's it I don't want any more talking for the rest of the offices that's my guy and I don't I'll take, I'll take any of any three in the top Chase Smith even Ross, Smith like minutes. Smith I'll take two but there's knocks on him that I could get behind like the dude yeah. is 170 pounds he, every single person that, and he's he's phenomenal but yeah. there's a size chart in the NFL. Like GMs are obviously going to look at that and say, "Well, I don't." Same same thing with the. Uh, I don't know who's who's a, who's a small receiver that that fell. Can't think of one off the top of my head, but they always. Are. I mean, yeah, small, well, that's just how it works. Small receivers, you know, they'll get injured. Odell, he, yeah. he's he's a smaller build guy. Like, just how it is. But there's yeah. also the thing with um, 
with Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, that comparison. I'm not a huge college football guy. I watched around the draft time yeah, and I watched the big yeah, game. Same with us. Um, but from what I've heard and, and what I've read about, before Jalen Waddle got injured, I mean, he was the he was true receiver one at yeah. Alabama. Yeah. Um, it's when he went down that Devonta Smith kind of took off and and I call this recency bias, right? Everyone's only thinking and talking about him because of what he recently did. But Jalen Waddle wasn't healthy, you know, the whole basically the whole season to show yeah. what he can do. But GMs are a lot smarter than Twitter GMs. So I think we, uh, you well, know, I think Twitter we lead GMs, to that. By the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're the exec of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think that's my offseason plan. I think it's really point blank. It's really just find somebody that could bring some pressure off the edge. I know we brought in Golden and Fackrell and guys that have not been terrible, but it's time, as we've said, like this is our year to make a break. Like this roster could be completely different next year if we don't hit on, on, on the plan. The plan is it up. Will, it will be completely different. The, the plan is up. Like this is, you got your left tackle, you got your quarterback, you got your skill player, you got your defense that you spend money on, you got your coach. If it's not working this year, it's not, it's not going to work. So, yeah. Let me throw out one more, one more thing. I know you said you wanted to hear a second round pick. After the first round, I'm really for just going with you're trying to get some depth but still take the best player available. But I think one position that we really don't talk about or haven't talked about that is crucial to the success of the defense and continuing the success of the defense is somebody to pair with Blake Martinez. I mean, take Crowder. Again, he surprised us and he played better than what the last pick in the draft plays like. But – I don't know if that's a guy you can count on going out, you know, and being your, your three down middle linebacker to pair with Martinez. Right. Um, right. You know, when the giants back in 18, they drafted BJ Hill over uh, Fred Warner. I'm sure all three of oh, us uh, you know, would I all want yeah. Fred Warner at this point. Yeah. Middle linebacker is so crucial to the success of that defense. And while Blake is great, can't do it all himself. And, you know, he, he's shown that even he got injured a few times in the game and had to come out. And that's a guy you can't lose. That's the quarterback of the defense. And, uh, you know, even him, he's going into his second year of his third-year contract. He could, you know, I hope he comes out and plays the same way he did for us last year. But if they don't have, have someone next to him that he can confidently pass duties over to and play well, with, that's going to be a, a glaring need of the defense, yeah, I think. I agree. It just, I mean, it seems so easy, but I think we've all touched on at least one position that we're like, yeah, we, we need we need. Maybe, maybe we're in more trouble than we, we think. Need corner, we yeah. need tackle. <laughs> but that's but that's, that's but that's another point that I brought up, which I truly believe. If you have the scheme in place, like the Chiefs or the Bucks, the players are interchangeable. I mean, obviously you're gonna get guys that are just studs and elevate your team. But if you got an offensive line, if you have a defensive line, if you can run the ball and stop the run, which Gettleman tried to do, he tried to said the second he came in, it just hasn't been working. But I do think that we're building towards having that strong defensive line. Obviously, Williams, hopefully he's back. Tomlinson, I think he's going to walk. But Dexter Lawrence, that's that's the beef of our defense. And then the offensive line, we've obviously invested a ton in as well. Um, Solder, financially. Thomas, capital-wise. Um, so we just got to keep building that way, and then hopefully the team lies – you know, in a better spot. I, I will say, I do think the Giants are ascending, though, right? You guys would agree with oh, that. Oh, totally. I, totally. I mean, I mean, it's tough to decline. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're already down, you know, so we're kind of going up now. So yeah. I, I, think, I do think they are ascending, which is, that's a good, you know, that's something to build off of. 
let me, I don't know how much uh, like more time we have, but let me give you guys one, one question that I think is something we have to start thinking about. Jabril Preppers really stepped up this past year in that defense. Like I'm talking, he played at a, at a, a really high level. He's Next year, this time, level. he's going to be a free agent. And, and we're talking, we got to start talking about either paying him or he could be a trade candidate because now they signed Logan Ryan um, for, you know, now you have McKinney. Yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah. I mean, that's something that we're going to have to talk about. As good as he's been for us and I, he's I, a high character, I would love to see him stick around. But when you're talking football decisions, you have to evaluate, obviously, what you can get for guys at any yeah. point, you know? I think that's a really good, good point. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good point, but I actually happen to think that Peppers is probably the most likely to be traded even over Kevin Zeitler or Evan Ingram, just because, you know, his value right now is up, but we, we saw it. We had a, a defensive player of the year, you know, candidate in Landon Collins didn't even think about signing, like didn't even consider it at, at 16 million and Peppers isn't fetching 16 million. He, He's yeah. probably more along the lines of like an eight to twelve million type of guy for uh, as a safety, but I'm just I'm not paying safeties, man. It's just not happening. Yeah, I'm not giving safeties Landon Collins money to it. It's just not worth it. it. Doesn't pay. But you bring up that that character thing, which he is good for a team. He's great. I and agree. When you have a guy like that who could just light up the defense, and you could tell that the players rally around him, it's easier to pay guys like that. Hundred percent. That's why you you know Barkley is going to be up for that same you know caliber contract, but guys rally around Barkley. It's obvious. Um, and then you look at the Bucks, and the, their their players are not you know the best players. They didn't have a Pro Bowler, but they have JPPs, they have Gronks, they have the Bradys that just elevate everybody. They're not the best guys on the field, but they have that character aspect to them that sometimes is worth the money, which I think. Peppers is on that level. He might. I, would, the best, I would agree with that. He's not the best safety in football, but when he makes a play, everybody's happy. And and when he doesn't make a play, he's still there telling everybody, you know, we'll, we got this. Yeah. And it's the same thing yeah. with Sterling Shepard on the other side of the ball. He blocks. He, he sure. loves being a giant. And guys like that, I will pay over anybody. Just like you said, Leonard, Leonard Williams, you could give him $20 million a year. He, he's played like it. But what's going to happen next year? Yeah, no, it's tough. Listen, I would I would argue though, Leonard Williams is very liked within the Giants organization. He very similar to, to Jabril Peppers. Like, I'm okay with overpaying by a couple million dollars here and there for Jabril Peppers for Leonard Williams if they're if the continuity with the within the team stays together. Jabril Peppers, yeah. I would argue, I think you're right. And you know, I kind of said that, you know something on uh, on the opposite before, but he is very important in terms of the culture. Joe Jones. Oh, yeah. The team loves him. Logan Ryan loves him most importantly because he's, he, you know, he makes that the that secondary go obviously. And that's was that's he a fun. captain or, or no? I don't remember if he was. Peppers. Yeah, I, I think Peppers yeah. was the captain, wasn't he? I think it was Blake. Yeah, but there's yeah. a few. I, I don't know. I think Logan, I remember. Was, Logan Ryan wasn't a captain though. I don't think so. He will be this year. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure he will be this year. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, hey, I mean, listen, you can't – like Gettleman always says, right, you can't have too many good players at one position. It's just like it's a good problem to have. Yeah. If – let's say he comes out and has an all-pro season and you're getting phone calls, I mean, you got to pick up the phone and, and listen to them. But I think that's something I'm sure – listen, the Giants are – you know, through recent years they haven't been that, that good on the field, but they're still a franchise that, you know, they know how to, you know, think about things and when to think about things. So they've started to think about – 
Engram and, and, and Peppers and, and what they're going to do with these guys. Um, and if you – I don't think the Giants – I think we're, you know, especially under the Judge era, he's changed that. We're not doing those five, you know, six-year deals anymore. I think he likes those three, maybe even four-year deals where you can get out after two, three years, um, you know, because I think that the, the length of, of success that players have in the league is so, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, that you have that three- to four-year window to really get your maximum – kind of potential and outcome out of these um, output out of yeah. these, out of these guys, you know, so these shorter contracts with maybe more, you know, upfront cap hits and, or backload it, whichever way you do it, yeah. uh, that could be a way they, they try to keep him around, you know? So uh, that, that brings up another good point. And um, we could kind of end it on this last topic, even though I know we could speak for years, <laughs> but a guy that we didn't speak about is Dalvin Tomlinson. And I'll just start it off. I like to look at the business side of football. I think it's extremely important to do. Production aside, all the guy has done since he's been drafted, he's been probably the, the longest tenure giant. He's played every single game. He's done everything that the organization has yeah. asked him and more. Off the field, I know it, it, it might not seem like a lot. Walter Payton, man of the year, that, that goes a long way within organizations. So how do you tell the rest of the 53 guys on the team that this guy's not getting extended. I, I don't know the answer, but for, for any organization, not even sports, how, how do you not go out of your way to try to sign a guy like that? I will I say, I, I will say, Dylan, let me just, and I told, yeah, you, you're good. I, I told you guys about this. And we, we spoke to somebody within the organization. I, I, we're not name dropping, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All I'm saying is, you know, and I told you both about who it was, but all I'm saying was all I heard from the Dalvin Tomlinson front was it would be, um, an extreme luxury, and I quote, and that's the quote, um, to, to keep him, which kind of points towards Leonard, Leonard Williams being that number one, you know, defensive priority for the Giants. I, I happen to think, and Carl Banks was tweeting about this the other day and, and kind of putting up his film on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw it. Dalvin Tomlinson really makes that defense go. Like there's, you know, Leonard Williams, you know, didn't just come across these 11 and a half sacks because he's that dominant. He's really good. And he, he was dominant at times, but Dalvin Tomlinson gets that push too. He, he the sack numbers aren't there, but he is a really he's a he's a force in the middle. And I do think you know pairing the two of them together for the next three to five years would be great for the Giants. But from what I heard and from what I told you guys about you know what I heard that you know keeping him would be an extreme luxury. It, it seems unlikely. He, he's good, but he's going to fetch eight to twelve million a year too. So it's just. You know, how, how much are you willing to pay these guys? And yeah. I, just, I don't think the cap space is there. Yeah, Eric, I mean, what you basically said and how you said it is something I think about all the time, right? You, you, you stress culture, you stress being a team player, uh, production, you know, showing up, doing your job. He's done all that. He checks all the boxes. I mean, any team that gets Dalvin for the record is lucky. I mean, Dalvin's right. a good guy. Like you said, the Walter Payton man of the year, he didn't win, but uh, being a nominee – that's still a huge accolade to have on your resume as a person and a, and a football player. Definitely. But then there's, you know, we have to remember football is a business. I mean, these are for-profit businesses and they have to produce wins. Um, and even though he's contributed in, in, in ways that we just spoke about over the past four or five years, the giants necessarily haven't been good enough to where, you know, these are easy decisions, right? This is now a difficult decision because you have to think about versatility. You have to think about production um, and when you look at a guy like Leo, Leonard Williams, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who essentially play, you know, along the same, you know, 
front, the forefront of that defensive line, you can ask a guy like Leonard Williams to do more than you can Leonard Williams. I mean, Leonard Williams is a – Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, You can ask him to do more, Leo. And you can ask him to stand up and rush the passer on the edge. You can ask him to play the, you know, three-tech on the inside. You can't ask Dalvin Tomlinson to, you know, rush the passer from the outside as an edge. Uh, he's, a, he's a nose tackle at the end of the day. Great guy. And if they have the cap and if they had the space to do it and they can make it work, in my eyes, it's really a no-brainer because, like we just said, he adds that much to the culture, to the locker room. Uh, he is really, you know, like what Jesse said as well, he makes other players around him better, not really on the stat sheet, but when you watch the tape, he's pushing guys back, he's taking double teams, and other guys are thriving off of him. But like we said, it's a business, and you got to kind of look at what you can get out of guys. And I think that their, you know, defensive tackles are one of the more replaceable positions, uh, being that you drafted Dexter Lawrence at 17, you drafted BJ Hill in the third round. And then a guy that I didn't think I'd be talking about today, Austin Johnson, who was a you know a late late uh, free agent signing last year, who kind of you know stepped up and, and played when and played well when asked. I mean, it just goes to show you that defensive tackles are more replaceable than other positions. Which is so, why Tomlinson could very well be a guy who's not going to be on the team next year. And I it, think it, it should be if you know yeah. if money works. You know, depending on the Leo deal, depending on a Corey Davis or a Curtis Samuel signing. If the money works, that'd be great. But because they are so replaceable, and the Giants love defensive tackles, you know, yeah. Linville Joseph, Jonathan Hankins, Dexter—that's just how they are. You know, they they do that with the tackles because you could always find a big body guy. You can't find a guy who's going to run a four-three and is going to score twelve touchdowns a year. It's just that's just how it is. So, um, depending on what the Giants do with with Leo and some other guys, it seems like Tomlinson is going to be the guy who's not going to be on the team next year, which is unfortunate. But I think we could all agree that he, he's a big part of the defense. And if he's there next year, yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I could agree with that. But I will say if the Giants end up with free agency only signing two major guys and those guys are in-house and it's we, we hold on to Williams and we hold yeah. on to Alvin, you, you, you can't be upset just because you understand the vision, right? And the vision is to go out and trade assets for Leonard Williams. And we, we use that 17th pick. For, da- for Dexter, you know where you know where you want to thrive and you want to succeed, and and that's in the front three or four of that Patrick Graham defense. And if that's the the route that they wanted to go as a Giant fan, you you got to be happy. Sorry, it might not be the glamorous way, but it's it's the right way. Yeah. Well, I know I, I kind of I kind of you know pointed fun at you know saying like that you can't be trotting out Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, but if you do bring back both Leo and Dalvin, somehow they make it work financially. You don't really make a noisy splash for defensive guys like a Yannick or a Bud Dupree or Matt Judon, but you get kind of more role players and guys like Kyler Fackrell that we did. And then you look to the draft and then you look to the draft uh, to find other guys, um, you know, that maybe like are day two, day three guys. I mean, granted, are they going to be stud edge rushers? You hope probably not. But, you know, again, like you said, if you can bring back a Dalvin, if you can bring back a Leo and they continue to keep playing at a high level and you add these more rotational guys to kind of fit the scheme that Patrick Graham is trying to play and trying to, and they're, that they're trying to put out there, that's not such a bad strategy either. I mean, there's yeah. two ways to look at it, you know, and, and, and we saw. That, and you know that works. You, you know it works. Yeah. It only, and look what happened. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was saying, look what happened when the Giants were, you know, Jerry Reese, in, was it 16, I think? He was forced. He had no choice. He knew he had to go out and make a splash in the free agency or he was 
going to lose his job. That's a um, fluke, though, and I agree with you. But that, that was like a fluke, like just one in a million kind of worked, but like kind of didn't. So. Yeah, no, I, I was, yeah, was going to say, I mean, look, what happened with Vernon? He came, he put up what I think, you know, eight sacks, something like that. Eight but then sacks, yeah, something like after, that. That one, after that one year, he was just a, a guy who was injured every other week, and we were paying the guy $85 million. So it goes to show you, just because you go out and spend basically all your cap on a defensive player who had a, you know, a good, you know, year or something like that. Like, you know, just because Yannick, who knows who he is in our system. So, you know, putting a hundred million into these guys, that's a huge commitment. Yeah. You know? I mean, okay, we could kind of end it on this um, in a positive light. It looks like the team, the way it's constructed now is sort of like a, a plug and play. Like there's a few guys that you could either get in the draft or you could get in the free agency that, you, that you, if we get them, you could say, all right, we could be really dangerous if we get X or we get Y as opposed to two, three years ago. It was like, all right, we need a whole different offensive line. We need a coach. We need a defense. Like it's not like that anymore. So right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of, you know, the bucks, they get Brady. They, they had the, the, Everything. They had the players. You put him in, you win the Super Bowl. Same thing with Mahomes. The, the team was already established. You established a guy like that. They Drew, were great with Smith. Right. So. Drew Brees is gone. I'm sure the next guy that comes in, same ship is going to be running. You know, Packers, they, they don't draft a receiver where they, you know, they draft a quarterback. doesn't matter. It's, everything's already there. It's, it's already going no matter what. So if we could kind of hit on a few more of those, I'm not saying we're there yet. Um, you get the coach. You get Jones, the, the protection that he needs and his head right. You get Barkley healthy, a few more weapons, weak division. Um, there's, That's there's the most problem. important thing right there, weak division. Yeah. If you get in the dance, anything can happen. 100%. Let's uh, be back this year. <laughs> I love that. Um, let's, uh, let's keep this going. You know, we, you know we've been away yeah. for a while, and uh, we've been busy, and everyone's been busy with the pandemic and you know, school and work and everything, but uh, – you know, talking Giants football is fun. And, you know, Eric, me, Matt, we, Dylan, we do it on the couch anyway. So we'll yeah. try to throw it on the podcast or the video cast, whatever you want to call it. And, I'm always uh, down. Yeah. So, we'll, you know, we'll continue this throughout uh, the offseason and throughout the draft. And it's an exciting time in Giants land. So it's good. It's good to be back. Right. Better days lie ahead. Of Hope course. So, yes, sir. Go Giants, boys. We'll talk soon. Peace, boys. See you